Well, on this episode of Geek Out Loud, on this episode, we're looking ahead to The Mandalorian. I can't get anything to work right. No one's in the mixer. It's just crazy times. But we're going to talk and watch The Mandalorian together on your safe place to geek out. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you on your safe place to geek out. This Friday at the time of this recording is going to be the premiere on Disney Plus of season two of The Mandalorian. It is highly anticipated. We're all looking forward to it. There's been rumors uh, swirling all over the place as to what is actually going to go down in this season and who may or may not show up and all of this fun stuff. A few years back when Stranger Things Season 2 was getting ready to go to the air, every night leading up to the premiere of Stranger Things, we got here on the Geek Out Loud and we together as one watched Stranger Things. And that's what we're doing now with The Mandalorian. Um, Frankly, I've been off more than I could chew. This is something I should have started probably three days ago, but I did not. And so now here we are. And uh, so here's what's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch The Mandalorian together. Uh, there will be guests throughout the week that we're going to have on. I know of at least two. And uh, who knows who else is going to ask when they find out this is happening to come on and, and do this thing with us. Um, it works best when people are actually watching along live with you. And right now at Mixer.com slash Goliverse, we have good friend Lethargic Chewy and old Texas Cow Patty 72 and one elsewhere. Um, so we are together doing this thing and you are more than welcome to join us. We will post in the Facebook group at, uh, geekoutonline.com slash group whenever we're going live. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this thing. And then we'll talk as we're watching together. There's a lot of fun news and all kinds of fun things that are happening roundabout that we'll talk about as we watch and, and, and pay attention. I have pulled up Disney plus and I have pulled up Season 1, Episode 1 of The Mandalorian. And I am uh, at zero on the counter. Zero, 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 zero. And so that's where you want to be. And then I will count us down. I will say three, two, one, play. When I say play, you hit play along with me. Because as I'm saying the word play, I'm going to hit the play button or click the play button. And thus, we shall be watching together The Mandalorian, and it will be fun. So get over to your Disney Plus, uh, whether it be on the app or on your computer, however you choose to do so, and, um, and, 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 and we will hopefully have much to say over the ensuing next episode or two. <clears throat> I have written a text to one of our future guests saying that my plan tonight is to do one, two, and three. What I didn't bank on is that my wife and I would get sucked into a movie 
and I would start as late as I am. And tomorrow, I was planning on doing four and five. Wednesday, because it's a church night, I was just going to do one episode, which would be number six, and then cap it off Thursday with the big season finale, even though even though my good friend Lethargic Chewy is rocking and rolling with Amando Watch Along over at geekoutonline.com slash cantina in Chewy's Cantina. So there are options uh, as to what you can do and who you can watch with. We're not in competition. It just it happens that, you know, I'm doing this idea and now I'm stepping all over my good friend's toes and just hoping that he can find it in his heart to forgive me. So, hopefully I've rambled on and given you enough time to get to uh, to get to the Mandalorian on your Disney Plus and to get it zeroed out. And, uh, and, and thus we shall begin with the countdown. Three, two, one, play. And there is the Disney Plus logo. And uh, I will give you the timestamp as to where I'm at right now. I am at 08, 9, 10, 11, 12. And so here are the, the new logos for Star Wars coming up. It's all the various and sundry masks. Ending with the Star Wars mask. And what's interesting here is it had the beep, beep, beep of the fob. And it fades into the fob here um, with, the, uh, with the device that he's got beeping, the old Mandalorian. And this is our first... I think it's great that this show opens up on the Mandalorian, um, even from the back as he's approaching this town. I don't understand um, why uh, in all of these places they park so far from where... Uh, they are actually going. That's always kind of confusing to me, but that's none of my business, none of my know-how. Um, this is, um, is this Horatio Sands or Bobby Moynihan? It's one of those two guys. I always get them confused. Um, but the makeup is so good, I still don't know that I believe it. And And obviously there's probably some digital things being done. Look, this is the moment those doors open up and he comes walking in, it is... Uh, Western all the way. I mean, it is Clint Eastwood walking into the saloon and not caring. It's John Wayne, you know, bellying up to the bar and not worried about what the big, tough, loud man is saying. And is there any better way in storytelling to convince you who is the baddest man in the room than someone just standing there silently acting as though he doesn't care one bit? Mioka. That's the drink, by the way, my drink. He says you're still his drink. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> All these bartenders in Star Wars just always trying to get along to go along. They don't ever want anyone to get in a fight in their bar, and who can blame them? Um, so here we go, real quick, as we move forward. Of course, this episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, in this case, Eric Galperin. He was given a mystical sword by a mystical blacksmith in a mystical land. Eric was imbued with incredible speed and agility. He's a master swordsman as well as a ladies' man. And he can drag the ladies right to him like Mando is dragging a squid head. Oh, not like that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ugh. Mm. Is that one of the more graphic things we've seen in Star Wars? Here's the, I think that that scene with the squid head cut in two by those doors, I think that really harkens back to the the original way that Star Wars was. I think that when you get into um, 
into that type of imagery and everything. I mean, you think about the cantina scene with Walrus Man getting his arm cut off. I mean, you see the arm with the blood coming out, you know, Luke getting his hand cut off, the Wampa getting, I mean, not the Wampa, well, the Wampa got an arm cut off, but the Tauntaun getting cut open. I mean, there's always been the hint at these kinds of things. And then, of course, you get to episode three, you know, and what went down with, uh, with old Anakin. So I think that type of thing really goes back to that 70s and 80s style of kind of what was acceptable violently. You know, alien getting cut in half by a door, that's fine. You know, and then, of course, there we missed it as I was running my mouth. It can take you hot or cold or warm or cold. And you know what? Honestly, you immediately think, well, that means dead or alive. Um, but we find out maybe not. Maybe it means I can take you in awake or in perfect, perfect hibernation as uh, Lando would say of Han Solo. <clears throat> we we haven't seen one of these aliens since uh, A New Hope, since Star Wars. You know, just the, the squeaky Garandan was the guy's name in Star Wars. The Imperial Spy is what we always called him. Never got a vintage figure of that good dude, by the way. That's a vintage figure we could get and not be not complain about having old Garandan as a vintage uh, style figure like the retro collection, which there's some, there's been some news with the old retro collection drop today that was rumored for a while. And now we got images and the, and definitive news today. <laughs> Look, it's one thing, you know, to say, I don't want a droid to drive me. It's another thing to say, I'm going to get into this pile of junk with this human. That shot there. If, if that doesn't give you star Wars vibes, then you don't know star Wars. The shot of the speeder in the distance going along is very much um, right out of Star Wars when Luke was going through the desert on the speeder with C-3PO. I remember the night that we got together with friends, Lethargic Chewie and others, and and watched this. That was one of the things that really excited me about this show was that moment, just seeing something that was, I mean, that's ingrained to me. Like that that camera shot of that land speeder is ingrained as Star Wars to me. And, and so that immediately put me in the position of knowing, you know, that this is, this is made by people who get Star Wars from a visual storytelling standpoint, as well as a storytelling standpoint. And, um, and, and I said way back when the sequel trilogy was, was being worked on, when Disney was talking and J.J. Abrams was announced as coming in as the director of Force Awakens, and they were making a big deal about, we're going to do it all on film, blah, blah, blah. You know, I said, well, I hope that in in their effort to absolutely um, not be like George Lucas anymore, that they don't forget that there is a visual storytelling style that he uses. There there are visuals that are important to Star Wars as much as um, as much as the story in a lot of ways, and it must look like Star Wars to feel like Star Wars. And that little shot of the land speeder, so minor, is. Um, is also is one of those things that I was talking about. Like, it must look like Star Wars to feel like Star Wars. Another thing Star Wars always did real well was creatures. Lucas had, uh, you know, the creature shop and and uh, and all that stuff. And, 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 of course, you know, nothing ever got left on the, on the, uh, on the, on the floor uh, with that. But it was always interesting because you could see a little bit of Earthbound in a lot of the creatures they would do. Much like this creature here, you saw the big tusks that it has like a walrus, you know, so it, it just, you, you kind of understand the biology and the habitat of the creature just by looking at him because there's enough earthly about him that you get it, you know. 
Um, but he also could be a dragon, you know, kind of thing of some sort. Uh, and so, but we only get that little bit of a shot, you know, it's like the, it's like the space slug in empire, you know, you don't see much of him, but what you do see, you kind of begin to piece together. How does this thing work? And, uh, and you can make up just from that little bit, you can make up all kinds of things with him. So this is the Razor Crest taken off. This is one of the first shots we get of the Razor Crest. It really, to me, invokes, of course, you know, the, the blue man said it, it that, you know, it, uh, it was pre-Empire, you know, Republic style. And it does invoke that prequel Republic look, you know, kind of a, almost looks like a retrofitted gunship in a lot of ways with the body style and everything, but it's a little bit bigger than a gunship. And the nose, of course, is different and everything. Um, in collecting news, we've, you know, Hasbro Pulse is doing the HasLab, um, the HasLab, uh, the Razor Crest, which has a lot of different features in it. And I think that they have, I think what, what the, you know, there's a whole show to do when it comes to HasLab and some of the projects they've embarked upon, you know, from, uh, and, and the, and the levels of, of the levels of success they've had with them from the sail barge, when it all started through Unicron, there was the whole cookie monster deal that I don't think ever went through, um, right down to, uh, to the, you know, the Sentinel, the Marvel Legends Sentinel that, uh, got crowdfunded rather quickly. Now the Razor Crest got crowdfunded, got funded on there very, very quickly. And I think it just shows you the popularity of this show and it makes, it makes collecting, um, you know, items from this show that much more infuriating sometimes when you get into, uh, various and sundry, uh, you know, exclusives and stuff. Here's something I never noticed. I never noticed there's an actual toilet behind the dude there, uh, that he did indeed find it. And, uh, and there it was. I like the way he shuts up the, <laughs> the, the closet real quick, but, uh, also knows that he uh he's got him a way out maybe is it Bobby Moynihan or Horatio Sands I can't I, I can't really figure out who I I heard him on another podcast talking about being in it and they were talking about the makeup and stuff he did maybe I'm absolutely wrong there's a Rodian there's a woman of some sort that's Mara Jade we'll say just for the funsies um that's George Lucas they say, and now he, he couldn't go in warm, so he's going to go in cold. It, to me, I understand, you know, why that's there, and I get, you know, why they're doing this and everything. But to me, it's just like, it always seemed like it was a lot more complicated to carbon freeze somebody based on what we saw in Empire. Uh, we also saw them do carbon freezing of people in the Clone Wars, in an episode where they were having to infiltrate a droid area. And so to not give away their life signs, they all went into carbon freeze. And, uh, and so, you know, which is where Vader apparently got the idea to do that to Han Solo and eventually Luke Skywalker on empire in empire. If he got to him classic again, you know, with star Wars, when you're dealing with the underworld in star Wars, you're going to deal in bars and cantinas there were some people playing sabacc the old star wars card game that survived from tales of the eu you just saw um constable zuvio there got a little bit of got a little bit of help with some 
different parts and stuff added to his helmet, but it is Constable Zuvio. There's no getting around it. And finally, he gets his time on screen. If you're wondering about Constable Zuvio, do a quick Google search, and you'll find just how awesome this dude was and how he ruled his area with a tight fist. But then you'll also see how he, he swung on pegs for days because he never showed up in The Force Awakens, though he was in part of the first wave of merchandise. Here is Apollo Creed, Grief Karga. And, uh, you know, uh, Carl Weathers does something with this show that's it's it's interesting, especially in the... May, may, I don't know that he's doing it by the end of the show, but let's see if we can pull up some of his audio here and, and let you kind of hear just how he kind of... He almost overacts a little bit. Getting that Mandalorian, or not Mandalorian, the uh, calamari flan, which is, you know, basically shrimp, a uh, shrimp dessert, or a squid dessert, rather. Well, I, I messed up and didn't let the man do his talking. Here we go. When he when Mando shows up, he's so gregarious and so over the top, but he really leans into kind of the bigness of what Star Wars was. You know, there's a lot about Star Wars, um, and and you really don't, you know, a, a lot of us fans of the original trilogy didn't notice it too much in the original trilogy. We were blinded by our love for it until you start to really consider uh, a lot of things as you get older and look at how films are made and how films evolved and, and how the original trilogy seems kind of locked into a different time based on the way the camera doesn't move, based on the way the, the the different shots and everything and wipes and all, but also based on the acting. You know, there's a lot of kind of fast talking. There's a lot of uh, a lot of big words, some overacting. I mean, Mark Hamill totally leaned into what Lucas was doing, you know, and he, and he gets a little grief for it, especially in in the original Star Wars. But, um, but ultimately, you know, that's what Carl Weathers seems to be doing here. He seems to be leaning into the melodrama of it all, which I think absolutely works because when you when you juxtapose that to someone like the Mandalorian, you you know, it you just kind of it tells you all you need to know about the characters, their interaction. You don't have to have you know a, a intense, you know, conversation about this is why I'm this way. You know, you just you watch them interact and that tells you everything you need to know. And then if there are details that you can't get from interactions like the Mandalorian's full backstory and why he hates droids and stuff that will probably be important later. Um, you know, you get it in the form of, of flashbacks in, in this particular show. Those stormtroopers, man, it's like you're just hanging on to something. Gosh, that listen, Lord Vader would not put up with that filth. Oh, Grief Kaga said you were coming. I can't do a good... Uh, What's his name? Oh, Werner Herzog. What else did he say? He said you were the, the best, best in the Pasek. Yeah, there we go. 
Here's this dude. Oh man, it's all nuts. No, 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 pardon. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to alarm. I feel like that dude's got to come back around unless he's dead. Old Doctor Pershing. Um, but yeah, this dude is just Werner Herzog is just there's just something about him in this. Like he has just the right amount of sinister and 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 the right amount of like, look, I'm so in control and. And there's so much about this first episode, you know, and you don't want to jump ahead too far as to what we know, but, you know, he seems like he's got all the answers. And then Moff Gideon comes along and, and in the words of Rowdy Roddy Piper, changes all the questions. And, but for this scene, and, and it's the same way, there's a lot of things that, you know, you think that as you go through this episode, and, and I think this is one of the things that I love so much about this episode and this show is that you think this is going to end up being one thing. And and by the end, it's a completely different thing. And that's even in the small things, as we'll, as we'll talk about momentarily. You know, um, it, it's just, it was so funny to watch how quickly fandom latched on to, uh, to all of this um, with some of the sayings, with some of the stuff that goes on. Yes, alive, but I, although I acknowledge... Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Uh, so, um, also, and I'm going to say this, they want him alive, and they're saying proof of termination is acceptable, but they are stressing we'd rather have him alive. We want the, we want the asset alive. And, and, and that's going to lead me to some speculation uh, as we get to the end of this episode about some things that IG-11 says and that sort of thing. A lot of people were pointing out immediately this dude had like the markings of Camino on it. Who Camino? They're cloners. Dang good ones, too, uh, according to Dexter Jetster. Um, uh, oh, gosh, the, I tell you, those guys. The Camino the ones, I think, to me are one of the things that bother me the most about episode two. I think their design was a little too, um, I don't know, it was a little, it almost tried too hard, you know. Master Kenobi. I do like the way they talk and move, though. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> so this guy is an Imperial, obviously a former Imperial, and but he's saying that... Um, the Beskar belongs in the Mandalorians, even though it was the Imperials who took it from them. So this is dude, I'm going to say this dude is the, 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 the client here. He's a survivor, man. He, he, you know, he's, he's learned to play both ends against the middle and, um, oh, grilled Kowakian monkey lizard and a sad Kowakian monkey lizard. <laughs> I bet he'd eat his brother. I bet he would. That's how sick and messed up those things are salacious crumb so <clears throat> you know it, this it it's not the thing about where we're at it looks i like the architecture gives you that star warsy feel it's very tatooine it's very and i know we're not on tatooine but like it's the it's the architecture we were introduced to in tatooine um you know the these type of walls the staircases the the the, the corners the smooth corners and that sort of thing and so now, you know, as we're underground, uh, we've come from a realm where we obviously it feels Star Wars to now it's even a little more alien, but it's got that quote unquote used future look. 
And there's that death's head insignia that was always on Boba Fett. And I think there are questions to be asked about that. You know, is that a clan symbol? What What is going on there? And I'm sure there are people who, according to books and comics, know better. But I also think it's something that could be fleshed out in the show. You know, Dave Filoni, who's a big part of this, really has delved into the Mandalorian culture a lot. Almost, you know, boringly so in some instances by my, you know, by my reckoning. Um but here we go. It, it's a little bit more. And what we're finding out is, you know, and we do find out as we move forward in these episodes that the Mandalorians aren't a race. It's a way of life. So, but I believe I'm, I'd be willing to say that I think the armor is an actual Mandalorian by birth, by blood, like from Mandalore. And, um, and, and I think that'd be something we would, we may find out about her. The horns on her helmet, you know, are very reminiscent of the Darth Maul horns that some of his uh, followers, when he was running things on Mandalore, that they that they had that they added to their helmets. I'm not saying she was one of them, but it may be that as an armorer, she's also a keeper of the history. And so, you know, I just feel like it's connected to that somehow. She doesn't just have horns on her head for the fun of it. It's not just like, oh, this looks really cool. You know, there's there's a reason. Uh, behind what she does, even the face mask, her 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 face mask, looks less like the Mandalorian thing. It's got much more of a a design to it. It almost honestly looks like Republic Guards uh, in the way their helmets would do. Not that they had anything to do with Mandalorians, but you know maybe it harkens back to their role in the war, you know during the Clone Wars and everything. Um, you know, in their in their dealings with the Republic. I don't know. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if on the armorer, she's also the keeper of Mandalorian history. So this is the first bit of flashback we get. And I remember watching this and um, just being absolutely uh, tickled pink that we're, I think here we see an actual droid ship fly over. Or maybe we don't see that yet. We just see, you know, all the destruction and devastation and everything. Yeah, we don't see that quite yet. But at some point in one of these flashbacks, one of the first things we see is like a droid ship fly over. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's the Clone Wars. It's the era of the Clone Wars. And so, and it makes sense based on the fact this is only like five years after Return of the Jedi. And so it makes sense that this man would have been alive during that time. That, the iris out there is classic Star Wars filmmaking. George Lucas was not a scared, not a, he was not a scared. He was not a scared. To uh, <laughs> he was not scared to use the the different wipes and everything, whether it's from left to right or diagonal or the iris in or the iris out. He would do that kind of stuff, and um, and it's just you know it's great to see it a little more blatantly than what it was given to us in the sequel trilogies, uh, and and it because it looks and feels like Star Wars, and of course when you've got Filoni, who is such a great filmmaker and or who is a student of George and Favreau, who's such a great filmmaker doing this stuff, you know, they're going to get those things right. They're going to they're gonna notice those little nuances and the things that really do make it feel like Star Wars. So now we're on this, and I, and it, you know, I don't know that we ever, do we ever get told what these planets' names are? In fact, by the way, um, I had my, uh, my, my subtitles up, but I don't know if they're up anymore. Would they have just cut off for no reason? Who knows? Who can really say? That's a great shot. Look, that shot of him using his scope is like a is like a um, viewfinder or binoculars or whatever. 
um, that image is like, we're, we're getting this shot just so people have something in the trailer really cool. Right there. I mean, that is a trailer shot. By the way, for those wondering, I'm at 22, 57, 58, 59, 30, 23, 23, 1, 02. Um, and so then I moved my mouse and I lost the count. So um, these creatures, how cool is it that these creatures are have their origins in um <clears throat> in in the Ewok movies. Uh Ewok Battle for Endor, Ewok uh the Ewok Adventure. Um these thing these blurgs as it were. We later see them in the Clone Wars on um on Ryloth where the Twi'leks would ride them into battle and stuff. And so here we've got old Quill doing his thing. And so this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, the expectations of this show, I think for a lot of Star Wars fans, was that um, that things like this would be what sticks, where Quill's like, I will help you. Let's get it out here first. I have spoken. I didn't get it. I didn't get the, I didn't get the volume up enough. But everyone was saying after this for the next week, I have spoken, I have spoken, I have spoken. Well, within in two episodes, you're getting this is the way. And that's what, like, and everyone forgot I have spoken. And they all went straight to this is the way. What a cool use of the Ugnaught. Um, you know, Quill being an Ugnaught, and you get a little bit of kind of their attitude and his attitude, but also, like, when he talks in the second episode about um, being, uh, being free and having earned his freedom and how important that is to him, you kind of get the idea of how Ugnaughts most likely are living you know, and, and there is a bit of servitude, you know, at least some type of indentured servitude involved in their species and, and that they have a certain means of, they have a certain means of, of honor based on the way that they work and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> again, uh, you know, the Mandalorian, he parked way far away from where he's got to go. And, and, and they never really explained, why can't you just take a ship and get closer? And then, of course, you know, Quill tells him, you can only get there by Blurg. Um, you know, and a Mandalorian is supposed to be fast and good. So, but this is a typical standard. What I love is, is this is a montage, um, you know, as much as anything. And also it is, it's that thing where you don't really know how much time has passed. You just know time has passed. And, um, and, and you don't know how long he was actually here before he actually is able to go after the asset, but that's fine. You know, that's fine. Um, that's the star Wars way of telling stories. A lot of times, for example, how long was Luke on Dagobah? You know, a lot of people talk about, well, it had to be a long time. It may have taken them weeks or months to get from where they were in the asteroid belt to, to cloud city. Maybe, you know, and, and I'm, so you have to either suspend your disbelief in that they didn't change clothes for all that time, and it must have been horrible on the Millennium Falcon, or um, that Luke was a really fast learner and it was just a matter of days. Uh, you know, it, it, but it doesn't matter because you're not dealing with really a documentary, and you're not dealing with you know the the things that you want to deal with when you're. Uh, chronicling a historical story the way that some people would world build, you're dealing with myth. And so it doesn't matter how long it is. What matters is that 
they get it done. They figure it out, you know, that Luke does get trained by Yoda and he is advancing in his training. It matters that Han and Leia got to Cloud City. It matters that the Mandalorian learns to control a blurg, you know, and that they're able to go right off and, and get him to where the assets, you know, where the, where the asset is. Um, in, in this case, I mean, we know it's, look, I, I don't know why I'm, I feel so bound to do this when we're doing these watch alongs. Like, I don't want to spoil anything. If you haven't watched this yet, then, you know, why are you listening to this? Go watch The Mandalorian on, on Disney Plus. And when you pause this and then come back at 27, 26, 27, 28, 29, uh, and, and come watch it with us. Pick up where we're at here. Um, but the music swells up here and it, it's a, you know, it was, it was really Ludwig Gordonson doing a real good job in this travel music as they get the Mandalorian to this place. And, um, and now we're about to get into, uh, the fight. <laughs> he tries to pay him and, um, and he says the territory has been an endless stream of mercenaries seeking reward and bringing destruction. He thinks the Mandalorian is going to be able to go wipe this stuff out. You know, Nick Nolte is convinced the Mandalorian is, is just the bomb. So, um, so he's ready to bring peace. My question is, is who are all these people that are guarding baby Yoda? You know, I, that's a question that I don't think ever got answered. You know, are they pirates Are you know, what th there's a, there's a lot of fun backstory that you could get into. And obviously these are questions that shouldn't or couldn't be answered until this, this show runs its course. Um, but you know, it, it, it does beg the question, like, you know, where'd they come from? And there's the, I have spoken. Everyone's like, oh, I have spoken. That's what the night this was premiering and we were watching with some friends and everything. I remember because you're talking about a 50 year old, um, and of, of at least interest to this former Imperial and everything. And this doctor guy, and I'm like, what? You know, we were talking about what could it be? Who could it be? There's some Nikto down there. Uh, there's a Klaatu. I don't see a Barada. Um, but uh, we were talking about who could it be? And we kept going back and forth. You know, is it some legacy character? Is it this? You know, is it Ezra? And I'm like, well, Ezra five years after wouldn't be 50. And there's OIG 11. <laughs> a bounty droid is all he's referred to here. Um, and, uh, and so he's now, um, giving his, and look, y'all, this is so cool. Like, here's the thing, watching this dude and watching how he spins around and moves this droid. It's just like, you know, I never imagined in my wildest dreams that this is how IG-88 would move around. You know, IG-88 was one of those classic must have action figures from the original trilogy. He was there on the Star Destroyer with Boba Fett and Bosk and Dengar and Forlom and Zuckus and, you know, and so here this dude comes. I don't know why they didn't just make it IG-88 instead of IG-11. You know, it's none of my business. But um, but the way he moves with the different parts spinning and the and the stuff going on. Um, but, the, but this also opens up, you know, some mystery. He says, I thought I was the only one on assignment. He says, so was I. And, <laughs> and, um, and now they're having, uh, discussions about, you know, the, uh, the whole, um, the whole nature of the business, you know, like, you know, I've already, I've already given them the writ of seizure. Do you, I don't think you have it yet. Well, that's true. 
And so, you know, now they're talking about a team up, which is another thing. I mean, like this is it honestly in the moment, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought, well, this is just the, uh, the poor man's Boba Fett IG-88 team up. And in some ways it may very well be, but in other ways, um, it's, it's just a lot different and a lot cooler, especially knowing where everything goes as you work your way to the end of this season. But the fact that they both thought they were the only ones on this particular uh, deal, and by the next episode, there's a lot more, you know. So obviously there were some that were on the assignment. You know, they, they, had, taken this, they had taken this thing already. Of course, Quill tells them, look, people have been in and out all the time after this guy. There's been all kinds of people coming for him. But he's being guarded by Nikto's and Klaatu's, you know, some type of gang or something. And it's like, well, why? What, who are these people? And how did Baby Yoda come to be a part of them? But I remember, like, just constantly, like, maybe it's Ezra, maybe it's, uh, I mean, I just, there were several names we threw out about, like, could it be a certain legacy character? Maybe it's Han, you know, and we're going to get a quick Han Solo cameo, and then he's going to move on about, because we didn't know that there was going to be this underlying story arc. I really did think this was just going to kind of be like a week to week kind of thing. You know, and and not and weaving in, obviously the Mandalorian would you know, end up. I figured there'd be some kind of small thing that would thread its way through, but I had no idea the small thing would be the big thing, and so we are just sitting there like, who could it be? Is it Lando? Maybe it's Lando. You know, Lando's always getting into trouble, and um, and and I had no idea. Like there was absolutely no idea that what was about to take place was about to take place. And it was such a great, it's, it's one of those moments as a, as a fan of anything that you appreciate having not been spoiled on. And, and, and it's one of those things, this whole thing is just something like the whole episode, this whole show was just a joy to watch from the jokes here about self-destructing to this cannon showing up. I mean, this cannon is designed to look like the Kenner, um, cannon, you know, from, from the eighties, from the vintage, from the vintage, uh, figures and everything. It was, the cannon was based on, you know, the Imperial laser cannon that they would set up, you know, and, um, and they never really got to use, but here it's in use and the, and right down to like the things on the side and everything. This is, it's honestly like, gosh, it's just amazing. Like Filoni gets it, you know, and, and the designs of everything are just so perfect. And they just, it, for someone like me, they just evoke such a, a feeling of nostalgia and newness at the same time. And so that's where I say like this, you know, where I can be critical and say, well, this was the poor man's Boba Fett and IG-88 team up. You know, ultimately, I have to recognize that what this does is this is absolutely something I never thought I wanted to see. But I got to see an assassin droid and a Mandalorian teaming up together and, and doing some really cool stuff. Um, and you know, and you kind of hope these guys will be partners. So that's the other thing is like, you're watching this whole thing and you're like, this can only lead to great places. This can only like, it can't get better than this. (laughs) There's no way, there's no way it gets any better than this. And, and, and in, in here in a moment, it absolutely does. It's just, and they go in a direction now that you never thought Star Wars would go in again. 
And and honestly, I think that comes from me being such a, a fan of George Lucas Star Wars. For so long, this species and this character were off limits to the EU. You know, there were references to him here and there. Um, there was, and I'm talking about before the prequels, there was uh, in, I believe it was The Courtship of Princess Leia when we're introduced to Dathomir. Luke sees a hollow of young Yoda making a report to the Jedi Council and stuff about Dathomir. You know, and that and, and that's kind of the only thing you'd ever get to touch with him. There was a Yoda species in the Knights of the Old Republic, but you know, but nothing ever is really explained or anything. And so then this happens and you know this this little cradle opens up and and there he is. You know, you see the and I remember just seeing I'm like what in the world? And it's so funny that I was like is this what the oh my and there he is. And you can't help but fall in love immediately. And then IG-8, IG-11 here is saying, you know, the commission was quite specific that the asset was to be terminated. That was not specific in the commission. There's something going on. IG was commissioned by someone other than the client that commissioned the Mandalorian. Because IG, because the Mandalorian was told, bring him in alive, but I understand that things happen. And this is, and I mean, look, I'm sorry, finger touching finger, if that doesn't give you 80s nostalgia, then you don't know the 80s. I mean, that, that should harken back immediately to, um, honestly, to E.T., so uh, the I love the paintings at the end, and you know the the concept art to to get to see it. It's such like there's some of the stuff that should be commissioned as posters and everything, it, or you know, it's it's awesome. It re- and that looks Macquarie all the way. The shadow of the Mandalorian in the door is, is such a Macquarie looking thing. Many of these things look very much like Macquarie paintings um, from you know the early days of Star Wars concept art and all. Uh, Oh my goodness. It just, man, what a great way. And, and the other thing, and I know I may be in the, in the minority on this because a lot of people have learned to binge and they've learned, you know, like, Oh, you got to binge for it to be any good. And, um, one of the things I absolutely love about the show is you cannot binge it. The minute it was available, it, you know, each episode was only available the next week. You had a week to kind of sit with it, to rewatch it if you wanted to, and to really get note, good night. That right there with IG Eleven and the Mandalorian together is just great. That's a great shot. Him on a blurg. I want them all. Is there an Art of the Mandalorian book yet, where these things are found? Because it is glorious. All right, I am now stopping this. I'm backing out of the Mandalorian episode one, and am going to dive into Mandalorian episode two. Um. And we're going to zero out the timer. So uh, you might want to get it started and then and then back up to zero real quick. Um, if I was smart, I would have brought some water in here with me, but I did not. But we're going to just proceed on here uh, and, and hit episode number two and, uh, and, and get to that. And then, um, and then we're going to do this every, uh, every night uh, this week. My plan was to do two and three tonight. I don't know that I'll get to three. It may be tomorrow ends up being three and four. Um, and then and then Wednesday being five and six, and then Thursday being seven and eight. So 
we'll, we'll, we're there. We're zeroed out. I'll give you a chance to get there on your Disney Plus. <clears throat> there it is. Thank you, Cam Hopman. Thunder Cam. You know what I, I need to do for Thunder Cam because it's been so long since he's been on the show, on the Big Honkin' Show. Um, I blame COVID, by the way. It's not my fault. It's not Cameron's thought, fault. It's uh, it's the COVID's fault because I had to like, um, I had to, I had to take apart some of my rig to get it to the church. But uh, but Cam, you let me know when you want to be on the on the show, buddy. And and you're down. You're there. Uh, any anytime. We need our weatherman back, especially since we're coming to the end of you know hurricane season. Um, where is where is it? Thundercam has come in, and he has uh, he has he has blown us out here with uh, with what it is. How did I do that? Did that? I had a drop, didn't I? I'm giving everyone a chance to get to episode two of The Mandalorian and zero it out. Is it under Thundercam? Thunder, feel it. There it is. Here we go. Let me turn up the volume here. And uh, Thundercam. Thunder, feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Yeah, 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 thunderstruck. Thundercam has sent me a link. Yes, the art of the Mandalorian season one is uh, available. It'll be released on December 1st of 2020. Amazon Prime. I tell you what to do. Go over to geekoutonline.com or geekoutpodcast.com. Use the Amazon links there and pre-order your copy now of The Mandalorian, The Art of the Star Wars, uh, The Mandalorian Season 1, and uh, and help the show out uh, in doing so. When you, when, you, when you use those links, it does help us out. We haven't promoted those in a long time because of kind of how... The, the podcasts have kind of waned uh, in, in recent months, and so we haven't really promoted those links. Clear your cookies before you click on them in case you've uh, used other links here and there, and that'll make sure that we, uh, we get a little kickback from Amazon on your use of them through our links. Also at those at uh, geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com and bighonkinshow.com with those links. I know that there are links to other places and we've got to update some of those things so that we can, uh, we can give you a better online shopping experience just by going to our site. We try not to overload it with ads as some sites do, but, um, but we do definitely want to, uh, to encourage you to use those or, uh, like Eric Galperin support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash geek out loud. Uh, we are about to hit up Mandalorian season two. Now I am on the, uh, Disney plus website, have pulled up the Mandalorian season one, chapter two, the child. It will not let me zero out. So I'm at zero, 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 one. So one second in and, um, and the Disney plus logo is like halfway through. It's like the little arc. So if you want to get there with me, I would encourage you to do so. And uh, we begin, I'll say three, two, one, play. When I say play, just like earlier with episode one, um, I will hit play. As I say play, you hit play with me. And together we will watch The Mandalorian season one, episode two, chapter two. It's called The Child. Here we go. Uh, wait, I didn't do three, two, one, play. Three, two, 
one play. The logo has completed itself. Here comes the recap. I'm not going to skip the recap because I like recaps. I will listen to the recap. How about that? Camtono. You are a Mandalorian. I will help you. Many have passed through. They seek the same one. IG unit, stand down! You are a guild member. I have a suggestion. We split the reward. This is acceptable. The tracking fob is still active. There is a life form present. And here we are. Now we're back to the um, the Lucasfilm intro. It said it gives the option to skip it, but I'm not going to. The Lucasfilm intro, as well as do we get the yeah? There are the masks, the Vader, the BB-8, three PO, Kylo, R2, uh, X-wing pilot, biker scout, stormtrooper, and Mandalorian, and then the Star Wars logo, which a lot of people are like, it doesn't look like a Star Wars logo. I don't know if it's because it's not stacked and it's long, but I never had a problem with it. Um, love these little lizard things, man. Again, this is this level of world building is the level of world building that Lucas would do. You might not ever, not might not always get the name of the uh, of the planet you're on, but you would definitely get a sense of what the planet is all about, and in a sense of the life forms on the planet. Um, in this case, those little lizard things. This egg, man, just trips me out with Baby Yoda. just He just chilling, going right along with things. Um, as these little critters start moving about, it <laughs> look, for all you didn't get to see Baby Yoda now, they're like, here he is. Look at him. Get a look at him while you're doing this. All these critters running around chasing him remind me of the tiny little dinosaurs in um, Jurassic Park 3. You know, the little dinosaurs that seemed cute and nice, and then they all ganged up on someone and ate. And I kept thinking, is that what's about to happen? But then they scatter, and so you know something's not good. And of course, old Mando, he's got his uh, he's got his ears on. I just noticed over in the top, over in the right hand side, you see a shadow move across the wall of the canyon there, of the ravine that they're in. Um, very cool. So you know, sharp-eyed individuals who aren't me, well, uh, because I wasn't sharp-eyed the other times I've watched this, will will catch that shadow. And here come Trandoshans. So cool to see Trandoshans. You know, you see IG-11, which is IG droid, much like old IG-88 from Empire. Uh, Bosk was a Trandoshan, and so here Trandoshans going after him. Where's Bosk? I don't know. You know, Bosk gets a mention in the Solo movie, but uh, none here in The Mandalorian. Bosk could very well be dead. Um, but it's cool to see Trandoshans, these hunter reptilian people and and uh, giving Mando a, a, a run for his money. And uh, as it goes, gosh, and see, that's the thing. They're bounty hunters as well. They've been hired to kill this thing. So uh, so I, here's the thing. I, I don't know that it's ever said clearly. But, but obviously, Mando has been hired by one client to bring this child in alive. These other people have been hired by some other client, probably through another arm of the guild. I don't think the Bounty Hunter Guild is completely on that one planet with Grief Karga and everything. Obviously, the guild is in different areas. 
And I think that by the end of the season, we're supposed to understand that maybe uh, Moff Gideon wanted this thing, wanted the child killed, wanted Baby Yoda killed. So, um, our, you know, there was so much talk going on the week between these two episodes, you know, and the question was, well, can Baby Yoda use the Force? You know, is, are the, is this species a natural uh, Force user and that sort of thing? And, and this is the first chance we get to almost see it happen here. So funny. What a great puppet. Like it is definitely, and he just saunters up as best he can. He's going to, you're like, oh my gosh, he's about to heal him. This is going to be amazing. And then, <laughs> I love the little look. He's just too cute. He is too cute for his own good. Um, I think it'd be good. I mean, at 50 years old, I know that, you know, IG makes the point of some species age differently. Uh, but you're still 50 years of age. You know, I'd like to see some speech ability. Um, you know, we, hopefully hopefully this little character will get fleshed out a little bit in season two, you know, and, and we'll be able to see exactly kind of how he, you know, how he thinks and what he's really all about, you know, as, as, we, as we move on. Because we call him Baby Yoda, but he's 50 years old, you know, so... Um, I think that's one of those things that have to be made. So, um, I believe the dog is going to bed. So, just a moment, everyone. Sorry, you want to go to bed? Go to bed. Sorry, go to bed. Come on, go to bed. Oh, oh, bless his heart. He's struggling there. All right. So, um, sad in the chat. S A D um, says, in a world of blasters and laser guns, so many still use axes, blades, staffs, etc. There was a um, there's a there's a YouTuber who does uh, does a YouTube series and within his YouTube channel called Star Wars Follies, and one of the things he pointed out was the Return of the Jedi figures. So many of them came with staffs and sticks and that sort of thing. Um, the people from Jabba's palace and the uh, the Emperor had a cane. Akbar had like a baton. And, uh, of course, all the Ewoks. So this is where everyone just got so excited. He was disintegrating Jawas, you know. They, and they were like, that's why Vader told Boba Fett no disintegrations. Well, okay, sure. But I think we under, I don't think we ever need explained to us, you know, what it is that Vader feels like he has to tell Boba Fett no disintegrations for. I think that it's abundantly clear that apparently Boba Fett doesn't mind disintegrating people. And so, and, and Vader knows that. So he says, no disintegrations. This, this whole climb up, and I know I'm not the only person to say this, but I did think this back when I first watched it. This whole climb up the sand crawler. Well, I'll tell you the first place I really thought about it was, um, you know, back in the first episode with the speeder going out across the ice, there was the one shot that was very much um, a shot right out of Star Wars. Then, as you got the 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 shot of, and look, I'm sorry, real quick. This is Indiana Jones all the way right here. Uh, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, you know, running along the side of the canyon wall there. But um, but but the 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 shot where the driver of that speeder looked through his macro binoculars. And you've got the whole horizon coming at you and everything and the way it's looking around. That was, to me, that reminded me of the Super NES when you would be riding the speeder through the desert or the snow speeder through the snow. Here, it just absolutely is the level 
um, on Super Star Wars uh, for Super Nintendo, w- where Luke is having to run the gauntlet through the, the through the sand crawler, and uh, <laughs> and I mean little with all the hatches open up, that's our Batman sixty six shot right there. Someone coming out of the window while he's crawling up the side of the wall, like that was a celebrity. You don't know this, but that was a celebrity Jawa. He was like the Sammy Davis Jr. of Jawas, and that guy right there was like, well, he's no more anyway, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, that honestly, it, I mean, that's the, that's the Batman 66 look. Oh my gosh. Like they're, they're messing up the sand crawler to get rid of him. Like that's how serious they are about him not coming onto their sand crawler. Oh, such a great moment. Just to reach up and grab. I mean, look, that's right out of action movies. Oh, oh, there he goes. Mm. I mean, it's got an air of comedy about it, you know, as much as anything else. This, you know, after all you just saw with all the intensity and, you know, you're getting just eat up with cute, with Baby Yoda, you're getting all the shots of Baby Yoda, which I think is absolutely great because, you know, you you there is the thing they could have done where he just kind of, and there are episodes where he just kind of sticks Baby Yoda off to the side. But after seeing him for so short a time at the end of that first episode, to get to see him so clearly, you know, so much through this episode is exactly what needs to happen. You know, you almost want to overload everyone with Baby Yoda. And um, and so, you know, and, and, and then to see these Jawas do this to this ship, you know, to absolutely loot it like they're some kind of sand people or something, um, you know, and knowing that they're just going to go sell it and everything, we get to interact with Jawas in a way that we have not interacted with them in Star Wars. We've shooed, go away, filthy things, disgusting creatures. We have, um, you know, we've seen Uncle Owen willing and dealing with them and that sort of thing, but we've not actually sat down and got a feel for the culture and for um, for the bargaining and that sort of thing as much as we will here momentarily with Quill and the Mandalorian and 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 the off they're called the off-world Jawas. If you want a timestamp, I'm at 1022, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. So um, that's where we are. If you want to catch up and and line up your your viewing with mine, um, it is. And again, what happens here after the after the whole battle with the Mudhorn and everything, it's just like originally, like how long did it take him to cross back over to this way? How long did it take him to get to the ship? And how long... Oh, look, that is, a, again, that is a shot for a trailer, for a poster, for the Art of book that's available on December twenty on December 1st, 2020. Um, you, may, you may order it, uh, pre-ordered on Amazon. You can use my links at uh, geekoutonline.com, geekoutpodcast.com, and bighonkinshow.com. Um, <laughs> oh, so you're back. Gosh, and then this moment. Look, the moment with Baby Yoda. It, it's great because there's so much exposition, expository stuff going on here without just telling you or boring you. Oh, it's wonderful. I didn't realize I had to turn my closed caption back on. I'm sorry. Um, so <laughs> I I just it it's so great. The Jawas still they don't destroy. I think that's kind of an important point to be made. Jawas still they don't destroy. Um, 
Cam Hopman says best episode of the series right here. I, yeah, I may agree with you there. I think it's one of the most interesting, especially for old uh, original trilogy fans. I only said Old Testament fans, original trilogy fans, because of just how many of these species that we're familiar with we're getting to see. Oh, <laughs> cutest frog eating ever. When Jabba does it, it's disgusting. When Baby Yoda does it, it's just cute, and you just want to just just pinch his little cheeks, just hug him. Um, the humiliation, honestly, that the Mandalorian is going through here, because look, we talked about with the first episode a moment ago. You know, when he walks in, you know, they do the classic thing of tough guy doesn't say a lot, and that's how you know he's bad. You know, he can kick your butt because he don't have to come in and talk real big. Well, now this dude that doesn't have to talk real big and he just acts, you know, the last thing he wants to do is go be friends with the people that stripped his ship down. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and the last thing they want to do is be friends with the guy who, you know, disintegrated all their clansmen. So <laughs> they really don't like you for some reason. Well, I did disintegrate a few of them. So you get more personality from him because he's in a position where you have to get more personality from him. You know, and that's one of the things that that again this show will do well throughout the first, throughout these eight episodes is you the the personality becomes more and and more. Um, while we're here at this uh, this part, I want to talk a little bit about some of the news that came out today. Um, it was uh, it was rumored for a while, but now it's been revealed ultimately. Um, that uh, the next wave of retro collection action figures for Star Wars is a Mandalorian wave, including, of course, the Mandalorian, um, Cara Dune, IG-11, uh, Quill, uh, the Child, Baby Yoda, uh, Grand, uh, uh, Moff Gideon, and Grief Karga. And Gideon and Karga and Mandalorian all have those vinyl vintage style capes that the armholes rip very well. So, um, the thing about the vintage, uh, about the, the retro collection is, <clears throat> you know, they, they were re-releasing figures that had been made back in the seventies and eighties. And so honestly, it never appealed to me to get, um, a, a remake of a Hoth, uh, Luke or, uh, or a farm boy, Luke or a Darth Vader, you know, even though they're on a, a vintage style card, but the vintage style card has a weathering look to it, you know, a weathered look to it, um, purposefully, you know, to make it look old and uh, yeah, I'm like, okay, but they're also doing the vintage collection that has modern looking figures on these vintage style cards. And that's kind of what I prefer. If they were going to do a retro collection like this, this is, I feel like what they should have been doing all along releasing action figures that we never got and not sticking them in board games like with the Tarkin with the Escape from the Death Star board game and then I guess it was Dak in the Hoth board game or something. I don't know. But I feel like that you've got an opportunity to to come back and with the prequels, with the uh with the Clone Wars and stuff, as I already said, you've got a you've got a great opportunity to do that. So I mentioned it earlier, but if you haven't had a chance to look at them, you can go to Hasbro Pulse now and look and pre order. Um this uh, this retro collection wave. It, it looks really fun. It's going to look great displayed alongside your vintage Star Wars figures because it's actually new vintage style, not on a card, but vintage style Star Wars figures. I'm pretty excited about that. 
So they say, bring us the egg, bring us the egg. And he's going to now go after, go after the egg. And, you know, the, the, the way that they act about the egg, you know, and the fact that they're giving him back all of the parts that they stripped from his ship, you know, it's really this thing where it's like they hold this egg in high regard. This is a, this is a, this is a worship uh, moment for them. There, this is this is something very important to these guys, and so, um, you know, so so you think, wow, this is this is something else. And also with an egg, honestly, on a planet like this, after seeing lizards, I'm expecting reptile or bird. You know, you never know. Um, wasn't expecting a giant rhino that reminded me of the Reek from Attack of the Clones. But it's called, and look at that mud. I never noticed the mud there as he's going in. It's already muddy out there. But I guess I should have noticed that. So this planet's not a desert planet. I, I, maybe that's too, maybe that's something too obvious and stupid to say. Sometimes I say obvious, stupid things. And I wonder why people would ever bother listening to this show. But um, it's just uh, it's just one of those things that, like, sometimes I, I realize something, I'm like, oh, I've been acting like in my mind like this is a desert planet, but it's not. I, I'm sorry, if rib bones in a cave don't bother you a little bit, you're a tougher man than I am because there's no way I want to be around. I'm like, oh, those are some pretty big ribs. And that's one hairy egg. Oh, it looked like he'd picked it up. Oh, oh, what a great shot. What a great, oh, Jurassic Park all the way. I don't mean to to keep referencing other movies or things like that, but it's just immediately what it makes you think of uh, or makes me think of when I see these things. But I also, and I think that's absolutely okay because, you know, that's what George did with, with the original Star Wars movies. There were things in there that were blatant throwbacks to the old sci-fi stuff and the Saturday afternoon serials that he liked to watch you know, at the at the movie theater and stuff. So, golly, that's a big old horn on the old mud horn. And now it's ugly. Now we are in trouble. <clears throat> he looks, I mean, and again, you know, obviously we all recognize a type of creature like this. We recognize, you know, a rhinoceros here on Earth, you know, but then it's it's taken, just like that, that walrus dragon sea squid monster in on the first episode, you know, this beast here is obviously something that's very earthbound in some of its looks, but the horn is so big and the face ends up being different. It's not a rhinoceros face. Like, you know, you can't call this a rhinoceros. Also the hairiness of it and everything. And it's just a great way of, of designing creatures that, you know, that was tapped into early on in, in Star Wars. You know, again, the familiar without being too familiar yeah, obviously the Sarlacc pit, there's some slow motion for you in, in Star Wars. We don't get that a lot. Obviously, the Sarlacc pit and the Rancor didn't have really earthbound looks to them. You know, and the Dianoga, I guess, you know, all we ever saw of him was one eyeball. But the tentacles and everything, obviously, very reminiscent of octopi and squid and that sort of thing. Uh, the space slug looked like a giant, you know, snail face, really, with a mouth and that kind of thing. So, you really, I mean, it's just, it, it. but then when, like I said, when you get to episodes one and two, you know, there are things that look, the, the biology makes sense. Look at the biology sense. A vibro knife, pretty cool to see a vibro knife. 
um, a vibra blade, I guess you should say. That's that's and again, that's something that comes straight out of the expanded universe. The whole idea of a vibra blade. I remember when they first talked about, it, I'm like, yeah, I guess it vibrates a little bit, you know. I don't. I guess that helps a little bit with your stabbiness. Man, uplifting music plays. That's what I just heard there. And so the question of can he use the force is answered, and I appreciate him doing that again. They don't really, you know, for for as much as people say that the episodes that will come after the third episode of the show are kind of filler, I don't feel like they waste time with this show. I really don't. Um, the episodes are all relatively short, and, uh, and, 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 and they get done what needs to be done in the time, and they answer the questions that need to be answered you know, as, as you move forward, but there is a, but I don't think that there's any episode wasted. Um, and, and we'll talk about that as we get into some of those that don't really deal with the empire, the client, you know, the whole season after this, after the third episode is him on the run, you know, remaining in hiding to protect the child and figure out what his next move is. So, you know, there's no reason uh, to continue on, you know, a Jack McGee, Bruce Banner story with the client or Grief Karga in, in Mandalorian. It, it's all about, it is all about him and the child. But just like any adventure, just like anyone's life, you end up taking detours. You don't stay on the same thing the whole time. And I think it works out great. But the answer of does the kid use the force is just, you know, there it is, you know. And that raises all kinds of questions about the species in general. Are they all force users? You know, we, we've seen the only other species of that we've seen in canon, only other of Yoda species we've seen is Yaddle on the council, and we never really interact with her. She's just there in a chair. Um, so, you know, so the three that we've seen all use the force, you know. All the Jawas we've seen are scavengers and traitors. Of course, they've given up on him, but here comes the classic. You know what? Look, I, I just say lean into moments like this. You know, this to me, that's what makes good storytelling and good movies. You you don't have to, um, everyone's, oh, it's so obvious they're about to leave, but here he comes over the horizon. Well, yes, isn't that what you want to see? Don't you want that cool moment, you know? And that's fine to want those kinds of things, I think. You know, it's fine to subvert expectations and try to be different than what people expect you to be. But, you know, if you just do that for the sake of doing it, it's no good. Star Wars has always leaned into those melodramatic tropes and archetypes that way. And I think it works best when it does that kind of stuff. So here's the egg. And I was really thinking, oh, they're going to worship it. Nope, they're going to eat it. And it is disgusting. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It is pretty gross. Like it is nasty just watching them go at this thing. All that work so they could just have an egg. And they didn't even like make an omelet with it or anything. Like you would have thought like he's gonna he'd cut off the top and um and put it on a frying pan or something, you know, add some mushrooms and peppers, maybe a little bacon. Go get that mud horn and you know, get some mud horn belly and put in there, but no. We're just going to dip our hands in and eat it raw. Like they're training for a fight in Rocky or something. Gross. Disgusting. Where are we at here? No one else talking in the chat too much. Everybody's watching The Mandalorian. Good deal. That's fine. That's fine. Um, 
oh, I mean, like, what great design. And the fact they were using a physical puppet, you know, obviously he's going to be enhanced, obviously, with some digital effects and that sort of thing. But, you know, he is, it just absolutely is wonderful that it's a practical working puppet on set with them. And and then, of course, when you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff and see how they took... um how they took the uh, Yoda species fears force users and kicks them out. That's why we only know three members that have maybe cattle boss. I think maybe they're just a rare species across the, the galaxy, or maybe they're actually created by the force. You know, maybe they are the wheels. Um, anyhow, the practical effects. Oh, the, 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 what they call the volume. It is the old, it, it is the evolution of, the technology where they'd actually have something filmed and do it, you know, in front of a big screen. Superman did that a lot. They use that, 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 that screen a lot to have him fly in front of. Um, there's the whole shot where Lois says good night to him on the balcony. And it's a one shot of him flying away. You see him flying away as she's turning around and the camera never cuts away from her walking into her apartment across the apartment. The, uh, the doors being knocked on and she opens it and it's Clark. And the way they do that is, it was a front screen projection. And, uh, and so Superman's on that. Well, the volume is this amazing like thing. You need to watch the behind the scenes stuff because it is absolutely amazing to see this room that is almost 360 degrees around. So you get the whole landscape and everything. And, and they're really almost on a set. And it's just absolutely astonishing the way they can do this stuff now. It's the next step of that. It, it, it is the evolution of front screen projection. And it's, and it's really, really cool. And so to have those types of things, so you're not relying so much on blue screen, to have a, a, the practical effect of Baby Yoda on set, and even to have, like, look, Quill's mask, like you can tell, it works like the old Creature Shop mask used to, where the person has more headgear on than a mask that is being controlled, apparently. I imagine he's being controlled off screen with by someone moving the eyes and the mouth and the lips and everything. And as the, as the lines are delivered. And then, of course, Nick Nolte would come in and, and do the voiceover. And good luck with the child. May it survive and bring you a handsome reward. I love how I have spoken. And I still, I love how people thought I have spoken. I, after this is the way was said, I have not heard anybody on any of their little podcasts or anything do the I have spoken stuff. I, I just think that, you know, I think that's one of those neat things about this show is just how quickly people jumped on board with um, with things that just like we do on the internet, they'd run into the ground. Um, but but good times here with that and and looking forward next. So now the Razor Crest is all fixed. We're about to take off, and uh, I love just the nod. And I remember that moment where Quill waves, and all he does is nod back because that's to me there's an important thing that happens i believe it's in the next episode that really kind of irritates me a bit um and to me it's the it's the one thing about this show um that i don't um that i don't really really care for maybe 50 in coruscant years but yoda's child but, I mean, there is a standard galactic means by which you measure time. In the chat, someone says, The child may be 50 in Coruscant years, but maybe Yoda in the child's home world takes 10 to 25 years to orbit their star, so he's only 2 to 5 on his planet. 
there is a standard galactic unit of time. And so 50 years would be 50 years wherever you go, regardless of how many revolutions around your home star, your planet makes. Um, oh, there's baby Yoda waking up with his little heart. Um, so, so 50 years is 50 years. And yeah, I mean, I, I just think the species explains a slow aging, but, uh, but again, slow aging doesn't necessarily mean slow maturity because if it does, then it doesn't matter that Yoda's, you know, 800 years old, um, training Jedi, you know, he, he should have the maturity of, of not an old man. So I, I just, I, I think that there, you know, the concept's great, but I don't know that the concept, if you flesh it out too much, really, really works. Gosh, what a great, I love the shot of him all busted up carrying that egg too. That's a good shot. Uh, or the artwork is anyway. I just really like, I mean, these, these paintings are just so, so cool. This painting with the uh, sand crawler and the razor crest looks like a Macquarie painting. Obviously, as I said earlier, they're all done up to look like Macquarie paintings, but some of them just absolutely, to me, remind me of that old artwork you used to kind of thumb through in some of the other art of books. The mudhorn concept looks great, and it looks like they kind of finished what they what they started with there. See right there, that's a Macquarie concept artwork right there. The razor crest ship with the Mandalorian in the in the foreground and Quill up in the background doing that. Oh, look at that little look at that little guy. Just look at him. How precious. Well, um, I don't have it in me. I don't think on tonight to do uh, to do another episode. So tomorrow night, I had originally planned on doing episodes uh, four and five with, I believe Lucas is going to sit in with me tomorrow night, but tomorrow night we'll do episodes three and four, which is great. We get to uh, finish off this first three-episode arc and get introduced in, to um, to Cara Dune and Blue Shrimp and everything else. We see ATSTs. It's going to be a good time. Um, so I hope you'll join us then when we all get together to do that um, as we watch along The Mandalorian leading up to the big season premiere this coming Friday of Mandalorian Season 2. I'm, I am greatly looking forward to it. I, I know that in some ways I'm probably setting myself up uh, for some level of disappointment because, you know, this was so good. How can the next season be nearly as good? And I got to tell you, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I just hope and imagine that it's going to be just a great time had by all. There's so many things that were left undone um, with the... Uh, with, with with we're not undone, but you know so many questions and and stuff that were opened up with the with the end of the first season. So I'm really excited about uh, about what'll go down in in season two. A um, little bit more news to maybe discuss and chit chat about really quickly. Let's see, there were some other things that were um, that were released and and kind of talked about just a tiny bit today as far as the old toy news goes. And I tell you, a great place to hang out and go check out toy news is Chewy's Cantina over on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, go to easiest way to get there is go to geekoutonline.com slash cantina. It'll take you straight to the Chewy's Cantina group. It's a private group. You can ask to join up and uh, it's collectors helping collectors in there, but also there's always different news and stuff posted to kind of keep everyone up on what's going on and 
and and what you know and, and what's happening in stores roundabout and that sort of thing they do sales on a regular basis i believe um i believe there's a sale this week and uh and so uh you can get over there and, and find out all the details on that i don't want to speak out of turn but i know there's another sale coming up pretty soon uh it is it is a great group that will help you so much with your collecting needs and uh, especially with modern stuff and, and newer stuff. But if you're an old school collector, you collect the vintage stuff. We've got a lot of vintage collectors in there too that, uh, that, that are willing to help you out. The vintage collection, uh, Grand Moff, or not, I keep calling him Grand Moff, but Moff Gideon, as well as the armor were revealed today. Uh, we already talked about the retro collection uh, Mandalorian wave that's going to be coming. Um, there were also some black series, uh, figures revealed today. One is the Mandalorian with, um, with, uh, with, uh, baby Yoda, you know, in a, in a whole carrier egg and everything. It looks really cool. The problem is it's going to be a target exclusive and we know how those always work out. Uh, sad in the chat says any idea why they ignore Mattel star Wars stuff in the yearly announcements. They cover pretty much everything else. They never list Mattel, the Hot Wheels, Starships, cars, etc. I really don't know unless it's just something they've got to deal with Hasbro. I think the, I think that they really try to focus in on. Well, even Hot Wheels though has a lot of collectors. I know I was in the Hot Wheels for a while, but they became just as difficult to track down as some of the other stuff. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I don't know why they never really talk about the Hot Wheels and stuff. So there is a vintage collection as well, the Mando and Yoda pack. Okay, didn't know about that. Um, vintage collection Mando and Yoda. So that's pretty cool. They do cover pops. They cover the Funko pops and everything. They cover Lego, but you're right. They don't really cover a lot of the, uh, the Hot Wheels stuff. Maybe, you know, that may be a choice on Mattel's part. I don't see why they would choose to be that way. Um, you know, I know that Hasbro does stuff that they're doing like their fan first Fridays or whatever. And so they'll kind of roll around and do their stuff just that's Hasbro exclusive. The StarWars.com stuff though you would think that they would promote that. Uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, though, you never know what goes on behind the scenes. Um, because I would say, explain to me this, why in God's name would they continue to do uh, these target exclusive, uh, st this target exclusive stuff when it goes online, it's sold out in pre-orders. Now, pre-orders sold out in, in like under a minute. And then... Um, and then hear how many collectors miss out and act like it's no big deal. They leave money on the table. And that absolutely astonishes me. So where, you know, so my thing is, what's the business model that says it's okay to leave all this money on the table and 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 to screw over collectors this way? You know, Mattel, honestly, I don't know how they're doing with the Hot Wheels stuff right now, but I'll tell you this, I know with like the He-Man origin stuff, there has been you know, at first it was like, well, are we going to get it? Are we going to get it? But then, like, it seems like everyone that wants the He-Man origin stuff is getting the He-Man origin stuff. I could have walked out of our Walmart the other night if I wasn't with my wife and, and didn't talk myself out of it. I could have walked out with the entire first wave of the of the He-Man origin stuff. And they're even talking about how toward the end of this year, they're not going to be exclusives to 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 Walmart anymore. Um, you know, and so, so Mattel is obviously considered you know, some things and is trying to do it right. The other thing it's like, what's up with the Walgreens exclusive? You know, I've, I've met, I, 
early on, I was able to catch a couple of Walgreens exclusives back, and I say early on in my Black Series collecting, I'm talking about like 2013 and stuff. But as time has rolled on, like Walgreens exclusive means you're going to be paying out the nose for it on eBay, basically. And I don't mean to complain, and I don't want to turn into like a, you know, we've had a great time watching The Mandalorian. But I'm saying like, to me, there's a lot of things that just from a layman's perspective does not make sense uh, with some of this stuff. Um, if you if you do find yourself struggling with the distribution and not being able to find stuff, I can't say anything about the exclusives. But I can tell you that over at Chewy's Cantina, geekoutonline.com slash cantina, uh, you'll find people that are willing to help you out and not charge you scalpers prices when they find things. We have a, a dude in there named Jim who is actually, a, um, he works with Entertainment Earth and he's really good about helping people get what they need. Uh, so I would, um, I would absolutely, if you're a collector, join up over there. It's fun. People aren't complaining and griping about all the stuff they can't control like I just did. They're not fussing about repro or no repro. They're not, you know, they're not dogging on people for what they collect or what they're looking for. They're just really out to help one another. Um, right now, there is a claim sale going on. A claim sale is where people post items they have for a, for a set price, and you can claim it, or you can just bypass it and not worry about it. Um, it will end on the 27th, that is tomorrow at 12 a.m., or I guess in just a few hours it'll end. I don't know how that works. I don't know if it's like tomorrow night at midnight or tonight at midnight. But let me just give you an idea of what is... Oh, it's tonight, I just see. Let me give you an idea of what's been on this claim thread here, just so you can kind of get a get an idea of the 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 variety of things that, that are on here. Um, <clears throat> there's Star Wars Micro Machines, it looks like, Action Fleet. There is a DC Universe Classic Mr. Freeze. There is... Uh, there's a 2010 Clone War, uh, Clone Commander Colt. Um, uh, I believe that might be even a, a three and three quarter inch, but it was a rare one apparently. Uh, both versions of the Black Series Darth Revan. There's a 1985 G.I. Joe Melloway Wolverine uh, vehicle um, that, that's up there. The their retro collection figures up there. Uh, more G.I. Joe stuff. Um, there are good night there i don't know i don't even know what that is there's stuff that i don't even know what it is higher end collectible stuff mcfarland toys um there's a blue snaggletooth someone uh sold here on on the thing uh transformers you know good night complete yoda vintage yoda um oh my gosh omega supreme with box complete 1985. He looks like he's all there. Oh, if I had 300 bucks, I'd buy him. Um, you know, so just all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and this kind of stuff will pop up. We also have Wanted Wednesdays, where if there's something specific you're looking for, uh, you can, you can you know, ask. And maybe people can help you find what, what it is you're looking for and that sort of thing. The point is, geekoutonline.com slash cantina. It's worth your time to join up and be a part of what's going on. Um there in the group it's a fun group if you're a collector and 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 uh and people are pretty good with stuff so um well that's going to wrap it up for us here on geek out loud i hope that you've enjoyed hanging out and watching the mandalorian we'll be doing this all week long and look forward to you hanging out with us and being a part of it as well 
Until tomorrow, uh, you can email geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to use those Amazon links. Don't forget to join us on Patreon if you're so inclined. Uh, check out our YouTube channel where we're opening old wax packs of uh, great classic 80s movies and other stuff as we, uh, as my friend Lucas and I do that on a, on a on occasion. You can check those things out, and we're working to make that better and better every time we do it. So just a lot of things going on that you can participate in and have fun geeking out with people of like minds. I really appreciate you all hanging with us and listening to us. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud.